0: Psalm 19, are you familiar with it? It's one you should be familiar with. So the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world... In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like the bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoices like a strong man to run his race. Its rising is from one end of the heaven, and its circuit to the other end, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the the soul. The testimony of the Lord is pure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors, cleanse me from secret faults, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me, then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I want you to to look just closely here you do a little. Uh, if you write a little bit in your Bibles and do a little outline, I want you to notice. If you look here in the in the text, the first six verses deal with the works of God, and then from verse seven to verse eleven, it's the word of God, and then the last part of the of the psalm, verse twelve through verse fourteen, is the worship. When I say said, I said the worship of man, not the worship of man, but the worship, our worship of God, essentially. So what you have here is the works of God. It is God's, what's called general revelation through the creation. And then the word of God, God's specific revelation to us, which is through the scripture. And then that, those last few verses is, again, man's response to the works of God and the Word of God, and that is our worship. So we're gonna we're gonna break this down. This is just a beautiful psalm. You know, I was I was I meditate every day on psalms, and I was meditating on this psalm a couple weeks ago, and then God kind of kept me there. It wasn't just one day, two days, three days, four days. And I'm very familiar with this psalm. I've I've taught on it before, and uh, but it, it just God just really impressed it upon my heart to share it with you tonight. So, the first thing again, the works of God. And in those first six verses, and I won't read them again, it's essentially saying that, that God reveals himself to us through creation. That again is called, is called general revelation. If you, if you look at creation, you can deduce that there is a supreme being. So, you look at the universe, and I do encourage you to stop every once in a while and look up and see the stars, look at the moon, and, it, you know, when we look at this, this great, it's, it's a macro picture, this vast universe, let me just, you know, categorize what the scientists tell us, our solar system with the nine planets, you have about 200 billion solar systems in the Milky Way galaxy like ours and then within the universe you have about 200 billion Milky Way galaxies okay that fill the entire universe now when you when you see that vastness you again the, the idea here is that we have been given this ability to think to you know rationalize and deduce that essentially this is a great revelation that there is an infinite power to be able to create all of this I mean, it just you know, it didn't come around by chance, didn't happen by luck. There has to be some type of supreme being, some supreme power that could bring this vast universe into existence. And uh, we come to the awareness of what we call the omnipotence. You know, omnipotence, omnipresence, omniscience. Omnipotence speaks about God being all-powerful. So that's really that's really what the psalm, what the psalm is saying there in the first six verses. now we also can deduce as we look at the universe, so that I'm going to share with you the four fundamental forces of nature, but there are forces there are there are laws that govern nature, so you have the gravitational force, the electromagnetic force, the weak nuclear force, the strong nuclear force, and if those forces weren't working right now, you would. Pfft, <laughs> gone, but the, the, the concept here is that there are systems, you know, you start getting into, you get into Newton's laws, the laws of Galileo, the, the, the laws of Copernicus, you, you start, there, there are literally thousands of laws, principles that govern the universe, so let's, let's just look at a, a, a simple, give you a simple illustration here. You take, you take one of the most complex cameras, okay, on Earth. And, um, it, you know, complex cam- camera with, with many different operating systems that able that camera to take pictures, okay, or, 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 or videos. And by looking at that, again, you would say, obviously, if you have this incredibly complex camera, you must have what? Who made it? Kodak. You had to have a camera maker, right? So then you look at the human eye, which is more complex than any camera on the face of the earth. More complex than the cameras that they're filming this tonight and sending it out on the airwaves. Our, our eye is, is this incredible instrument of many, many systems. Just our eye. David Ham, okay, I'm sorry, William Paley... Back in 1802, uh, in his book, Natural Theology and Evidence, he talked about a clock. And he, he said, if, you know, you look at a clock and how a clock operates, and it's not even half, you know, it's not even close to us being able to grasp onto the, you know, atomic clocks or, again, the cameras that we have today. But when you look at a clock, he said, you see this this complexity and you then simply deduce that there must be what if you have a clock you have a what a clockmaker. Again look at the complexity of the human brain Which it has an almost infinite almost an infinite capacity To create these neural connections and memory and you know thought Almost infinite And you you again come to the place where you deduce to have this complex machine that's on our shoulders that we call the brain. There must be again some type of incredibly infinite and intelligent, omniscient, okay, omnipotent meaning power, omniscient meaning intelligence. There must be an incredibly, you know, uh, incredibly powerful and intelligent creator to be able to create the brain or or the eye or are all the different systems that operate in harmony within our bodies think of this the skeletal system the neurological system the digestive system right you have all these different complex systems that operate in harmony that you're you're left with again that there must be an infinite, intelligent creator who created this. That's what Psalm 19 verses 1 through 6 is saying. Now, a couple of things that are neat here. It talks here, and I'm going to read to you, in verse, two, um, verse 4 it says, In them he has set the tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoices like a strong man To run its race. Its rising is from one end of the heaven and its circuit to the other end. I want you to notice that. Its circuit to the other end, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Now, modern day science in just the last few hundred years has caught up with what the scriptures is revealing here that was written. It was written about 900 BC by David, 3,000 years ago, that the sun is on a circuit, our sun is basically on a circuit traveling through the galaxy and traveling really through the universe. And again, this is something that, that scripture was. You'll see, you'll see in scripture there are things that are revealed. And, and by the way, the Bible was never meant to be a science book. It was never meant to be a psychology book. It was never meant to be a sociology book. It was never meant to be a, bio, a, a biology book. Or a physiology book, or any of the other ologies. Okay, it, it is the revelation of God to mankind. But whenever it talks about science, you'll find it's true. When it talks about psychology, it talks about man being a you know a body, soul, and a spirit, our, our trichotomy of what we are as a human being. It's true. So in the scriptures, when you see something like this, again, it wasn't meant to be purely a science book, but it's revealing to us something that people did not understand just but a few years ago, that essentially, again, the sun travels through the entire galaxy and universe. Another, another neat revelation you'll find in scripture, the stretching of space. And you see this, look, so many verses there that talk about this, that he stretches out the north, hangs the earth on nothing. Uh, He who sits above the circle of the earth, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, you see this again, he stretches them out, he stretches them out, he stretches them out, what does is, what is science reveal to us? Again, catching up with the Bible, that the universe is continuously expanding. It's continuously stretching. Again, something that has just recently been discovered in the, the last 70, 80 years, that the universe is in this continuous right expansion, and that's, again, repeated over and over and over again. God, again, knowing God, what man did not know thousands of years ago. Another another one, right, for centuries, man thought the earth was what? Flat, right? When they would sail, go sailing on ships, they were always worried they would come to the end of the earth and go off. And you have, again, in Isaiah, this is 700 BC, Isaiah chapter 40, verse uh, 22, it is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. You see there, it talks about Isaiah being written 740 to 680 B.C. But that was 300 years before Aristotle suggested that the earth might be a sphere. And that wasn't really affirmed until probably about 2,500 years later. So you see these. I mean, we could, I, I could go, and I, I, I didn't want to, you know, I don't want to go through, through uh, so many. But the, the idea here is, again, you have a revelation of God that has come to us through nature. The psalmist said in Psalm 8:3, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, when he stops and looks at the heavens, when he looks at the work of God, the birds, the trees, the shrubs, the clouds, the moon, the stars, the sun, mankind, the tiger the leopard, the horse. He's, he's looking at the very handiwork, the creation of God. He's left and he comes to the conclusion of there being, again, a supreme being of if, infinite power and infinite intelligence. Romans chapter 1, in fact, if there was a, a comparative passage, as always, you know, you'll find a comparative passage in the old and the new. Romans 1, 18 through 24 is, is really a, a key comparative passage to Psalm chapter 19, 1 through 6. Let me read it to you. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because what may be known about God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. So the, just the revelation of God through nature basically reveals that there is again a supreme being. That's what the passage is saying. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. His invisible attributes, his omnipotence, right? His omniscience, his omnipresence. And since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, this is essentially they knew of God, not talking about a personal relationship with Jesus, but they knew of God. They knew that mankind knows that there is a supreme being. I talked to, many years ago, I was witnessing to an English guy, Englishman, very brilliant guy. And he, it wasn't Everest, but he climbed one of the great mountains. You know, he went up, I don't know, 15,000 feet. And, and as I'm witnessing to him, he looked at me and he said, he goes, when I was up on that mountain, you, you know, I, I knew there's a God. I knew there's a supreme being. It was, the, again, the vast revelation that, that you know, hit him with that. So it's, it's essentially, it's, it's clearly seen, for since the creation, verse 20, of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. Nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. What does the Bible say? The fool says in his heart, there is no God. We were watching a show, my wife and I, a couple days ago. And they were interviewing these people. I think it was the Mermaid Parade in New York. And they were talking to people and they asked them about God. And this one guy, he was like, never heard of him. Who, what's that? I mean, the fool. I just looked at her and I said, there's a fool. I, just, I remember using this in, in preaching here one Sunday, talking about the fool says in his heart that there's no God. And this kid came up to me after and he looked at me. And a guy, guy came up to me and he goes, he goes, you called me a fool. And I said, I didn't. I said, God did. Psalm 14.1. You know, just like sitting there squirming. And, uh, but that's that the fool says in his heart, there's no God. So it goes, it goes on, verse again, 21, because they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into and the image made like corruptible man. The birds, the four-footed animals, and they worshiped the creation instead of the creator. What does it go on to say three times? Therefore, God gave them up. He gave up on them. to, To reject the creator and his creation. And again, I'm not talking about Jesus here. I'm not talking about scripture. Brings people, nations, civilizations to a place where God will give up on them. By the way, study civilizations through history, and you'll find civilization after civilization that turned away from God was doomed. That's where America is right at this hour. We are right there at the precipice. And uh, it's something why, you know, the church should be on their knees praying and seeking God because we are in a very, very dangerous hour. But you see a country that has turned away from God. And uh, we're reaping the consequences. You see some of the, the storms and the tornadoes and the floods and hurricanes and earthquakes and then the destruction going on in our cities, people killing each other and murdering each other. You look at all these things that are going on, all the problems, too, this, this whole thing with inflation. You look at all the, the major issues where a country divided against itself or a country at war with itself, and you look at all these things that are happening. These are judgments. This is God. God, God has removed his protective hand from this country. And let me tell you something. I said this with COVID. When COVID hit, I said, wait, you think this is bad, wait, wait. Prepare yourselves, because there is more to come, and there is more to come, and it's coming. So it's a, t- you know, it's a time for us to be truly seeking the Lord. It's a time when this country needs it needs a revival. We've turned away from God. So the, the, those are the consequences. So here, here's, on a, on, a, on a lighter note, what does Psalm 19, one through 6 tell us? We should enjoy God's creation. When was the last time you went for a walk in the woods? When was the last time you just took some time just to look up at the sky, to hear the birds singing? You know we 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 live in front of we live in front of a, a, a TV sets. We live in front of our handheld devices, and we wonder why we're a ba- bunch of you know we 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 live in this continuous angst. We're basket cases and i don 't think we were we were meant to be separated from the very creation of god I, I i spend I spend a good part of every day outside. I like to be outside I work out outside I like to run outside i you know bike outside I go for walks outside just go outside and there 's parks all around this place in Bergen County. That you can go and go for a walk and smell the flowers. You just sit in your backyard and just, just turn off. Turn off the handheld device. Turn off the computer and just sit in the presence of God and worship him as your creator. That's Psalm 19, verses 1 through 6. That is general revelation. Let's just stop for a moment. I want to pray with you. This is something that I, I want to pray that God would impress this upon your hearts. I think it's in it's important it's it's revealed to us. So heavenly father I want to pray lord god that you would put it in our hearts lord. You know we are so inundated lord god with technology at this hour and it distracts us lord god sometimes it disturbs us lord god it lord god and everything that their sociologists and psychologists are telling us it does a lot of harm to us and father just breaking away from those things and just hey smelling the flowers going out and just enjoying your creation sitting outside lord god in your presence looking up at the stars at night gazing lord god at the the wonder of this incredible universe that we live in lord god taking time lord god to hear the birds sing Taking time, Lord God, just to to take a walk and enjoy nature. I pray, Lord God, that you would do it. It would be good. It would be medicine, Lord God, to our minds and to our bones. Again, in this very stressful culture that we live in. And that, Father God, I pray that you would impress that upon our hearts. And that you do that, Lord God, for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. It's good medicine. Okay, number two. The Word of God. So now we go from general revelation to specific revelation. General revelation, right, being the creation. Now specific revelation, we come to a place through specific revelation. See, you can, through general revelation, you come to an understanding that there is an all-powerful supreme being, that he is of great, great intelligence. But when you come to specific revelation, specific revelation is where we come to understand much more deeply who God is. You will not know the Trinity, the Father, Son and Spirit, through general revelation. You, you will not come to a place of understanding God's love, His grace, His mercy, His righteousness, His holiness, His truth, His um, eminence, His unchangeableness, his immutability, His truth. That, that comes through specific revelation. That comes through His word. So the Word of God, of course, is a, is a greater it's, it's a greater revelation. Then creation. That's what we call it. We call it again specific revelation compared to general revelation. So look at look at a couple a couple of things that are said here. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. How do we come to believe in Jesus Christ? We come to believe in Jesus Christ through the Word. Right, It's through the, the, the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. That's how a person is saved. As they are, are basically exposed to the word of God, like Isaiah when he met the, I'm sorry, when um, Philip met the eunuch, and he was reading from the book of Isaiah in Acts chapter 8, it was the revelation of Isaiah that led the eunuch to Christ, and then he had, he had him baptized. But it's it's through it's through the word of God that the soul is converted. Look at a, a passage in Luke chapter sixteen, twenty-seven through thirty-one. So this is the the, the story of Lazarus and the rich man, and uh, so the the rich man is in he's in hell, and Lazarus is in paradise, he called Abraham's bosom, and so it says here that here the rich man says, then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father. That you would send him to my father's house. Send Lazarus to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place in torment. Send Lazarus so my brothers will believe, be saved from hell. And so Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Notice what he said they have the word of God. They have Moses and the prophets. That's the Tanakh, that's the Old Testament. Okay, in the time of, uh, of Jesus and the apostles. They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. Right, if somebody all of a sudden appears from the dead, they're going to immediately believe. That's what they think. If I see a miracle, I'll believe. If Jesus appeared to me tonight, I'll believe. No, you won't. No, you won't. If you don't believe the word of God, it could be all kinds of miracles you're not going to believe. So in verse 31, But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. That's it there. If you don't believe the word of God, the word of God is more powerful in converting the soul than miracles. And if you don't believe that, just go through the Old Testament and look at Israel, where we talked about they died in the desert, that entire generation. Forty years in the desert and they all dropped dead in the desert. Miracle after miracle, right? Manna from heaven. What about manna coming down from heaven every day? You think that's enough to make them believe? It didn't. Quail coming in from the sea. The bitter waters of Mara being turned sweet. Water from the rock. Well, I would think that's enough. Seeing the plagues of Egypt. You think that's enough to... Con- no, it's not. They rejected the word of God. And it's true of people in the church. It's true of people today that if you don't believe the word of God, it don't matter what what type of miracles happen. You ain't going to believe. It is the word of God that converts the soul. The word of the Lord is what converts the soul. Let the Lord impress that upon your heart tonight. When you share the gospel with people, make sure you're sharing the word of God. It's a good thing to have the Bible with you when you're sharing the gospel and be able to show them instead of you just, you know, speaking. Show them the Word of God. It was taught to me by my, my first pastor. Use the script. Carry the Bible with you and share the Word of God with people because it's the Word of God that does the converting. You ain't going to convert anybody. I ain't going to convert anybody. You gotta, you've got you've to share the Word of God. You can speak the Word of God, Right? You teach the word of God, show them the word of God. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, impress this truth upon us, Lord. Even we, Lord. We are powerless to bring people to you. But your word, Lord God, is sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing bone and marrow, piercing to the very hearts of men. And Lord God, it is by your word, Lord God, that people give their lives to you. Teach us, Lord God, to handle the sword of the Spirit with, Lord God, wisdom. Teach us to yield the sword of the Spirit, Lord God, with great accuracy, pointing it right at people's hearts. And, Lord God, in this time, Lord, use us to bring people to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, look at verse 7 of chapter 19. It says the second part, the testimony of the Lord is pure, making wise the simple. The word of God brings wisdom. What is the Hebrew word for wisdom? Who said that? Chris, say it loud. Hakma. The Hakma of God. Specific knowledge. Specific knowledge, the knowledge about the stuff that's important. Right? It's it's not trivia. You know, I tell people, if you got a ton of uh, trivia knowledge, you go on Jeopardy. Maybe you'll win a million dollars. But, but this, is the, this is the wisdom that enables you to navigate these crazy waters of life. And there's wisdom for all things in the scriptures. Obviously, the, the wisdom of God, the wisdom of salvation, but the wisdom of how to build a great marriage and have great children and... To have a good career, to be wise with money, the Bible is filled with with that wisdom. Right? It's it's you say ignorance is it's not ignorance is tragedy. What you don't know, what you don't know will hurt you. So the Bible addresses that right. And again, knowledge is it's not power. It's trivia. Specific knowledge, wisdom, hakma is power. You meet people, they, they have this vast knowledge about all things, and it's like their brain fell out. I mean, they, you know, they, can't, they can't find their car keys. <laughs> you see them. You see them on TV all the time. These people, they're so intelligent and smart. And then everything is a mess. So the idea of, of wisdom, wisdom, I mean, Proverbs you want to read about wisdom and learn about wisdom. Learn from the wisest man who ever walked the earth besides Jesus. Proverbs chapter 2, 1 through 5 says this, My son, if you receive my words, and notice again, wisdom comes through the word of God, and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. What did Solomon ask for when God said you could have anything you want, you could have it all? He asked for wisdom. He said, and because you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you everything else. And you know what I believe that was? When he got wisdom, he was able to obtain all the other things, be a good king, until he kind of got, I think, a little prideful later on, and, uh, and you all know that story. Pray with me pray for wisdom. If God was to say to you tonight, "Hey, what do you want? Would that be the thing that you'd really seek? And Father, give us the hakma of God, I pray for more. I covet it, Lord God, I seek it. I need more, Lord God, of your wisdom. And Lord God, impart to me a heart to seek wisdom throughout your word. Give me a heart, Lord God, that is not prideful. Knowing, Lord, that though I may know a little, there is so much more to learn, so much more to know, and that, Father God, give me a a spirit of hunger and thirst that I would seek, Lord God, wisdom, and I would seek to, Lord God, apply it to my life and apply it to all the things that I do, that it, Lord God, would bring, would bring blessing, and there would be, Lord, truly an abundance that comes through the wisdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Psalm 19, verse 8. It says, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Do you find that true? I find whenever I come to the word of God, my heart is always rejoiced. It's renewed. It's, it's filled with, with joy. I don't think I have ever come to the word again and have left with less joy than I had when I came. in. There's always more me say this, I've never come to the Word of God and left weaker than when I came to it. And there's just great strength. This is like something that, you know, I experience every day as I, I wake up in the morning and I spend time with the Lord in a quiet place, And I sitting outside. I was even sitting outside this morning and it was misting. Just kind of, again, enjoying the creation of God and um, just being in His presence. But being in the Word of God and just experiencing his filling of joy and of, of strength and of peace. And that should be the experience that you're having. You should be experiencing a joy in your heart when you come to the word of God. And um, when I hear people say that's not, you know, I, I don't like reading the word of God, I would say this, you, you likely are not born again. <laughs> you don't have the spirit of God within you. Right, Sammy? You sent me that today, that great quote. Right, and um, it's true though. If if you have the Spirit of God and you're in the Word of God, the Spirit is teaching you, and it becomes it's really an incredible experience that brings joy. It brings joy. There's a rejoicing that that comes when you're in the Spirit and you're in the Word of God. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Think about that. We. Are enlightened what does it say in, in Psalm chapter 119 105 their word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path I don't know about you but you know you, you, you listen to a lot of things I read a lot of I mean I've read I, you know I've read thousands of books you go up to my library come to my library in my home I've read thousands of books And you know you listen to—I mean—all the people giving us advice—and you look at our—I mean—look at our country and what a mess it's in—and these, you know, these expert economists and politicians and bankers and experts—and you know—and you just look at that—and there's darkness, ignorance, stupid. I mean, they're just driving, driving this country into a pit. Where's the light? Right, what's where's you know where's your guiding light, and the word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, again, you look at what's happened. Mankind at this moment in this world has just totally discarded the word of God. I mean, who who is in leadership in any country who is a Christian who believes in the Scriptures? You know, a hundred years ago, you'd have leaders quoting Scripture. You had presidents who believed they were Christians and they believed in the Bible. It's all been abandoned. They're all, they're, they're, they're all secular. And look again, look at where the world is. What a mess it is in. And with, with all of our vast education, right, we are fools. But you know, where is the light? Well, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. There's your guiding light. There's your guiding light. <laughs> Father, guide us with your word. Let us become, Lord God, hungry for your word. Let us take your word, Lord God, every day and chew on it. Let us swallow it. Let us digest it. Let us assimilate it. Let it just flow out, Lord, into every cell, every nook and cranny of our being. And Lord, let our paths be illuminated. That we, Lord, would not walk in darkness. We won't be walking off cliffs. But we'd be walking, Lord, in the light of the Lord. Taking us, Lord God, to higher and higher places. For your glory and honor, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, the next verse, verses uh, 9 and 10. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey to the honeycomb. Do you find the word of God sweet? You know, when John was given the scroll, remember he tasted it and it was, you know, it was sweet in his mouth, bitter in his gut. Even when the word of God at times is bitter, and sometimes it's bitter. When God rebukes you through the word, when God disciplines you through the word, when God corrects you through the word, it's still sweet. <laughs> it's true. It's still sweet. And, and there have been times where God has disciplined me and, and dealt with me. But just just a few days ago, um, praying and struggling in my, my prayer and you know, I'm like, man, I just, you know, sometimes vengeance, right? You want to just, hey, boy, you just want, you gotten hit, you want to hit back, right? And the word of the Lord just came to my heart. And I wasn't, reading, I wasn't reading Romans chapter 12. Vengeance is mine. I shall repay. And then I'm brought to the place where, Lord, it's not my will, but it's yours be done. And he was correcting me. It was sweet. It was sweet. It wasn't bitter. You, I'd rather have God speak a word of rebuke to me than have a thousand people give you flattery. Boy, that's like a poem. Maybe I'll, I'll write a poem on that. That's That rhymed. But it should, it, it should be, you know, just... You, hey, you know, we eat so much sweet stuff in this country. We eat so much sweet stuff all the time. You know, if, if you've ever, you know, gone through a, a, a plan or you're on a program where, like, I, I, don't, I don't touch sweets from, you know, from Monday through usually Saturday, and I'll have maybe something sweet on a Sunday, and when you eat that sweet after, you know, you've been on, you know, just eating a lot of protein and, you know, eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, but nothing, nothing really sweet, and you eat that piece of um, banana cream pie, right, that we had this week. Or those desserts that you brought to my house that one day from that place in that sinful place in, in Westwood that I've gone back to twice to buy the pastries. And you have that sweet pastry, or, or you know, just even honey. Just you'd put a little honey in your mouth. You know how sweet it That's how the Word of God should be for us. You know, just sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Okay, verse 11. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Two things, right? We are warned, danger ahead through the scriptures. It says in, in Proverbs, the, prud- the prudent man sees danger and takes shelter, and the fool just keeps on going. They destroy their life. But there are, there are warnings in scripture And we need to heed the warnings. Those warnings are warnings that God gives us for our preservation, for our self-preservation, for the preservation of our families, preservation of our lives. And, you know, to to not heed the warning leads to to destruction. And then there's reward. When When you take the word of God and you obey it, there's always reward that comes from it. Colossians chapter 3 23 through 24 Whatever you do work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord not for human masters since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward it is the Lord Christ you are serving he promises us rewards in this life and the next and there there are great rewards when we obey his word When we take his word and we implement it, rewards of peace, rewards of joy. There there are rewards that come in the physical realm as well as in the spiritual realm. There are relational rewards. You look at somebody who is just disobeying God in their life, and you know what, you just look at them and it's getting bad. Now it's getting really bad. Now it's getting worse. Now it's getting really worse. And you look at them. I've watched people destroy themselves. I've watched people die. I've done their funerals. Because they are just continuously disobeying God. When we obey God, it always brings blessing. It brings strength. It brings blessings again in the spiritual as well as in the material. In the here and now. And then the hereafter. And God promises us that. You you get into that. You experience that. there, There is blessing. So... Let me just stop, and um, I want to pray again for you. We're doing something obviously a little different than what we normally do. Father, give us a hunger and, Lord, just an appreciation for your word. That, Lord God, we would cherish your word. We would cherish, Lord God, the time that you have given to us on a Wednesday night, on a Sunday, in our own personal devotions, in Bible study. You would give us, Lord God, just an appreciation of being able to come and sit at your feet, Jesus, in communion with you through the Spirit, in your word. And that, Father God, the things we've talked about, the sweetness, the protection, the warning, Lord God, just the blessings, they would fill our lives, Lord God. And we would, have a, we would have a testimony that just would go out to other people of, Lord God, truly the, the blessings that come to us through your word. And I pray this, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, amen. So again, so you have general revelation, specific revelation, and now the response of man is the worship, okay? The worship of man, the worship of God. Essentially, maybe I should have phrased it that way. So look at, look at verse 12 to 13. It says, who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Let's just look at that. So there, there are secret faults. There are things that, that we may be doing that are wrong that we're not aware of. By the way, God isn't going to hold us accountable for those things. Unless we're just willfully ignorant. But there's things, right, They're secret. all of a sudden God reveals. You know what I find in Christian life is like, I'm climbing a mountain. Man, I've been climbing that mountain for 40 years. And, uh, you know, you're just looking up and it's like, there's the top of the mountain. And when I get over that little precipice, man, I'm going to arrive. And maybe, you know, it's, it's overcoming a sinful habit or growing in a deeper way with Jesus. And I get up to that precipice and I got my fingers right there and I'm pulling myself over and all of a sudden I come over the precipice and I look up and there's a whole nother mountain there. And you got another mountain to climb. So we just we just keep you know we just keep thinking and you find things that you know you didn't know are still in there that are not good. Right? Those secret faults. So it's like when I first came to the Lord, it was the the outward sins that I was dealing with. And all of a sudden you start to to have victory over the outward sins. And then all of a sudden you're finding out all these inward sins. There aren't too many outward sins that I deal with. It's the inward ones. Bad attitudes, sinful attitudes, unforgiveness, vengeance, right? Anger, pettiness. So cleanse me from my secret faults. And then he says, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me, then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Presumptuous sins are intentional sins, it's, it's being very aware of something I should not do and doing it, or essentially something that God is asking me to do, and I'm not doing it. I'm very, I'm very clear. It's presumptuous. It is intentional. So it's, it's essentially doing what we know we shouldn't do, or not doing what we know we should do. And this is, I use this, this is a, a key component of worship. Well you come into into the, the house of God and you're worshiping the Lord when inside you know there are things that you're supposed to be doing that you're not doing or things that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing, that's that's not pure worship. Look at look at Psalm twenty nine verse two give unto the Lord the glory do his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. What is the beauty of holiness? It's, it's being in a place where you're doing what you know you should be doing and not doing what you know you should not be doing. That's a beautiful place. By the way, this is a prayer that I pray for my life. I, I don't want to be coming to God every day and just going through the motions and praying and reading the Word and singing a hymn when inside I know I'm doing something he's told me not to do, or I'm not doing something that he told me I should do. I don't know about you, but don't you feel kind of creepy? Feel kind of filthy? I, I, I don't like that feeling. So a key thing of worship is, is being right with, with God. What did Jesus say in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, you got a problem with somebody? Don't, don't, don't go to the altar and offer your sacrifice. Go to them and get right with them. And so you, get, you know, fix these things. Deal with these things. And then you will worship me in a, in a holy way, in a pure way. It tells us in John chapter 4, 24, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. In spirit and truth. Pray that with me pray that for our church today, that our Father, we come here on a Wednesday, and we meet during the week. We come before you in our own personal relationship with you, one-on-one. We come on Sundays. Lord God, may we come to you and worship you in spirit and truth. May we come and we worship you, Lord God, in holiness, Let us, Lord God, when we come into this place, let us even, before we come into this place, if there are things in our life that we need to confess and repent from, if there are things that we are doing that we shouldn't do, let us turn away from them. And if there are things we're not doing that we should do, let us make that decision to do them and not be hypocrites before you. Not just going through religious motions of lifting our hands, clapping our hands, and singing songs to you, sitting at your feet and studying your word, when we know inside of our heart that there's something wrong, that we, Lord God, have been given the power to change. And I pray, Lord God, that that this church raise up, Lord, worshipers who truly worship you in holiness. And we pray this in Jesus' name. By the way, I pray that prayer for the church frequently through the weeks. Last, Last part of the psalm, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. There's a great little song. I don't know how many of you, when you read that, you know the song? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, be pleasing to you. And that's it's a, great, a great little you know, chorus to, uh, to memorize. But the words of our mouth, what did Jesus say? From the overflow of the mouth... What? It's what's in your heart, right? He says, from the overflow mouth there come murders and adulteries and all kinds of all kinds of sins, and so we need to be guarding our tongue. And then the meditation of my heart, right? The thoughts of our heart, what's going on inside? The things you you know you're thinking about. And there's a, verse, there's a verse in Proverbs chapter there's 23, 8, For as a man thinketh, so is he? That's the King James Version. But what we're constantly thinking about, that's what we are. And so the, the, the thoughts of a heart, I'll, I'll, I'll give you one more verse here. Psalm chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Fill your mind with the word of God. He shall be like a tree, and I I claim this verse for my life. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, prosper. The person who meditates on the word. So he's not saying, you know, you got jobs, you got careers, right? You're not going to be walking around with with the scripture, right? Tony, you've got to go out there and supervise people. You've got to cut the lawns, right? Cut down trees. You're not going to have this walking around all day. But the idea is the word of God. You spend time in the word of God and it gets inside of you. And and those verses, those verses are in you. They're guiding you. They're they're in your heart. They're down, you know, in your subconscious mind. And they're, they're there guiding you throughout the day while Lenny's... You know, he's designing a dam. Um, You know, the word of God lives in him, right? Kim, you're doing physical therapy. John, you're you know you're a policeman, right? John uh, Naguska, you you know you're doing physical therapy. The word of God is is there in your life, and it's your you know your guide. And that's when we when we meditate on the word of God, it becomes it becomes a part. It becomes a very part of our fabric of our soul, and it's guiding us. And that's, I believe, what, what the psalmist is saying. So two, two takeaways here, and the worship, the worship team can make their way up. Enjoy God's creation. I think that's something. Take some time. Listen, I see everybody is stressed. <laughs> you know, We've had some things come into our life in this last couple of months that creates a lot of stress. And um, I'm thankful, you know, Sue and I, we, we do... Frequently, I mean, every morning, but every day, we just take time to just smell the flowers. We are blessed. And God has blessed us with, you know, just some great surroundings that we can enjoy. Enjoy God's creation. Enjoy God's word every day. Feast. Feast upon the word of God. And worship God from your heart. Worship him in holiness. You come into this place, get right with him before you walk in. What do I do more than anything else in preparation is to prepare myself, not just to prepare a message, but prepare myself for the delivery of the message because I'll tell you something, there ain't nothing worse than standing in front of a bunch of people and you know you're not right with God. I've had moments through the years. I've had moments like that. And uh, it's just not, it's not good. I'll tell you this real quick. Let me tell them this. I've said this to you. My biggest challenge has been anger and my temper. Ah, the testosterone levels are lower. I, you know, I, I don't think I'm, you know, I'm not walking around crazy or anything. And, uh, but years ago, I was traveling just about every Sunday and preaching in a church somewhere. And on a Saturday night, Sue and I had an argument. And I got so mad that I picked up the table and I threw it into a wall And the four legs went into the sheetrock wall and stuck there. And when I got up in the morning, I figured my wife would have taken it down. But I got up and she left it there. And I had to go to a church and preach after that experience. And she wouldn't talk to me and I want to talk to her. You ever have one of those married people? Let me tell you the funny part of the story. When I came home after preaching, guess where the table was? Right in the wall. And she just looked at me and she said, "Take it down and go and get the plaster." And I had a plaster up the wall. And I learned a real good lesson. But you, you can't preach when you're in that state. And I remember that going into that pulpit that day and just like, Lord, I should not be here. I'm a hypocrite. I'm a fake. And you can't do that. So we get right with him. We, we worship him from our heart. but We make sure our hearts are right with him in our worship. Okay. Father, bless us, Lord God, with your word tonight. Help us, Lord God, each day to truly enjoy nature. Smell the flowers, Lord God. Hear the birds. And, Lord God, let us just enjoy your word. Because, Lord God, it is truly sweeter than honey. And, Father... I pray, Lord God, that we would always seek to be right with You, and worship You, Lord God, from our hearts in true holiness. For in Jesus' name, we pray this. Amen. Are you okay there? No, just am just Want me to keep?
1: Want me to keep going?
0: Sure, I'll make up something. Tell another story about a chair wall. So this is my after that experience, a couple weeks later, we have an argument. It wasn't, a, it wasn't as bad as the argument. And in the argument, um, my wife went for a walk, and what I did was, uh, we are a small house around the corner, I took the sofa and I put it against the wall, I took chairs and I turned them over, and I rearranged the furniture in the living room. So when she came in, I'm sitting there, and she came in and she thought I destroyed the house. And I'm laughing. And she goes, What did you do? And I said, Oh, I just rearranged the furniture. So I had to rearrange everything back. And we had a good laugh, and we hugged each other, and then we made passionate love that night. I don't know. I don't know if we did that. It was...
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that's the end of the story. Thank you for stalling. <laughs> Kim just ran to make a copy of Psalm 19, so we're going to sing what we've been studying. So let's uh, just hang out for a minute. God bless you guys. Thank you, Pastor. What a great uh, little turn and way of studying, right, the Word and praying with us. Thank you, Pastor. It's really, I love your creativity in uh, bringing the Word in in such a passionate way, but also just asking the Lord to intervene throughout, you know. Hopefully we're praying like that as as he's sharing the Word That it would touch hearts. There's many people that come here that do not know the Lord. They come with friends, you know. The first time that I came to a church, I didn't know the Lord. And we need to be praying for those people that are here that don't know the Lord. New people, friends of people, people we bring. So, you know, while pastors is teaching, we should be praying like that. Thanks, Kim. I couldn't have the creative sounds in the back because you were copying. Let's stand together. pastor had shared uh, that this is a great song to learn and let it resonate in your heart. So we're going to sing it. The last verse, two verses. May the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart. Can you guys find that <clears throat> up there, please? Psalm 19. If not, just open your Bibles as we're singing.
2: May the words of my mouth in the meditations of my heart, be pleasing to you, pleasing to you. May the words of my mouth, in the meditations of my heart, be pleasing to you, my God. You're my rock. You're my rock and my redeemer You're the reason that I sing I desire to be a blessing In your eyes Every hour, every moment Lord, I want to be your servant I desire to be a blessing In your eyes, in your eyes May the words of my mouth And the meditations of my heart Be pleasing to you, pleasing to you May the words of my every word the meditations of, my heart, of my heart Be pleasing, pleasing to you, my God You're my rock You're my rock and my redeemer You're the reason that I sing I desire to be a blessing Lord, I want to be your servant. I desire to be a blessing in your eyes. You're my rock. You're my rock and my redeemer. You're the reason that I sing. I desire to be a blessing in your life. Every Every hour, every moment Lord, I want to be your servant
1: You,
0: Lord. May God go with you all, bring you home safely, and bless you. May He bless the rest of your week with His presence, with His love, with His grace, with His peace. God go with you all. Amen.